So what I decided to talk about tonight, and as always, I welcome people who want to have stuff that they want to talk about, but I already have a class for next week, so don't even try next week. I came up with a title, I said I'm, I'm, I'm doing it whether or not uh, I have a class or something to talk about. So everyone, keep your eyes on your inbox for uh, the invitation to the next talk dinner, because it's going to be an awesome title. Clickbait. Um, oh, no, no, that's what it's going to do. Everyone's going to click on it, read the story, come here, what they have to say about that. Uh, but what I decided to talk about today, I think is something very important. Next week, not so important, more exciting, more sexy, if you will. But what I want to talk about today is something very important. And it's important because I think that maybe, for a few reasons, I think maybe if, if we had to isolate the most, the crowning achievement of Jewish philosophy... Over the past, I don't know, I guess three, four thousand years. Like, what is this idea that we are trying to impart to the world? This one thing we're trying to communicate. I would say maybe, and I'm sure there could be other ideas, but maybe the most important thing that we could that, that we've tried to share with the world is the idea that men, when I say men, I mean men, men and women, are not be shackled to the negative character that they were born with. We all have flaws. If you're human. And all of y'all seem to be human. Right? We can very safely surmise that you guys have flaws. How do I know that? Because everyone has flaws. How do everyone have flaws? Because the Torah says that everyone has flaws. Why does the Torah say that everyone has flaws? Because the Torah says that your job here is to fix your flaws, to perfect yourself, to improve in your character. And the, the, the one thing we're trying to get into other people's heads is the idea is that whatever character you have, whatever flaws you have, it's not cemented in stone. Right? You're able to change it. Not only are you able to change it, but the Torah demands that we change it. And I was, during Mincha today, I was jotting down a few verses. I, off the top of my head, I came up with five or six verses, just verses in the Torah and statements uh, from our literature that demand of us to change. We have eight times in the Torah. Not five times, eight times that we should be like God. Walk in the ways of God. And the Talmud tells us what does that mean? Just like God is, is merciful, just like God's kind, you should be kind. Right? Maybe the most famous verse in all the Bible, you should love your neighbor as yourself. What do you mean? I hate my neighbor. I can't stand him. He doesn't take care of his lawn. Right? I, I don't like him. Right? You have to learn to like him. You have to learn to change. You have to learn to try to find the good in other people. It's demanded upon us, and we're able to do it. Um, what happens if you like try to help someone? Like you know they're in a horrible situation. You try to help someone, and they're just not. You can't change someone else. That's also important. But you could, and you have to change yourself. I gave another a few other examples. You have to be generous. You have to learn how to. In case of I mean, you have to. If you have to lend money, you have to be. You have to be holy. What, what do you think about? It? What kind of demanding? Uh, requirement that is, you have to be holy. Uh, and a few other ones here that I gathered from the Talmud off the top of my head. Uh, someone who gets angry, it's as if he commits idolatry. And idolatry in, in Jewish philosophy is like the worst thing you can do. You're rejecting God. So you can't be angry. can't be angry. I have to be willing to for, forego uh, my, uh, my, uh, the bad, the wrong that was done to me. So much is demanded of us in the way of, of, of perfecting our character. So not only we can, we ta- can we do it, we have to do it. And I'll even argue, I'll even argue that even in our lives, irrespective of what the Torah commands us, 
if we want to be successful in any in any area, we're going to have to learn to change. Children and young adults and young young persons. Um, they need to learn certain skills. They need to maybe um, or learn to overcome certain inadequacies in order to be successful in the professional life. Wouldn't everyone agree? Who wants to work for nine hours and listen to some boss tell him what to do? What do you mean? What does he know? He knows more than you. Well, well, maybe he does, but you might have to, or maybe he doesn't. But either way, you have to listen to him because he's your boss, right? And this is this is very, I think. You know, people want to be independent. People don't like, uh, you know, being beholden to someone else, someone else's whim. And you have to learn to lower yourself down, subject yourself a little bit. Your professional life, I think... uh, I totally agree. You totally agree? I see this now. Now that I'm in the real world, what do you see? see What do you see? What you just described. That... uh, that what? That you have to so learn. People want to be like independent and they don't want to like follow the boss. Learn their rules. <laughs> but you, to you, it was always natural, huh? To. Always. You always follow the boss. <laughs> right? <laughs> He's the boss. <laughs> <taxes in>, huh? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm just rule oriented. I don't know. And then uh, my, my friend, one of my friends, uh, no one here knows them, so I'll. My friend, my friend Jake, or Yaniv, his Hebrew name is, and he's in our building in Fondren, in our office building. So he tells me he says when I when I was I was working whatever I decided my number one goal is I should never again have a boss. So he's doing startups, he's doing his own businesses. He does you know what he does? What is what business he does? You know when you go on a website, some shady website, you see in the side of some talking person, like these web spokesmen. He does web spokesmen. So if you if you know you find model to webcom give him a nice shout out. If you um, uh, you want his his website is model to web, and he has like a bunch of models that come into his office and they just read like thirty or forty different you know clips scripts that were given to him by people across the across the globe, and he sends it to them. He charges them three hundred bucks and he pays these people fifty bucks an hour. We're able to churn out fifty of them. So. Yeah, so he's, you know, such so so a cute little business he's making lots of money off. But what he said is this, I don't want to work for someone else. He wasn't willing to negotiate that. And, you know, so... He's able to go for him. Um, I think that in relationships, everyone would agree. Uh, if you're going to have... If it's going to work out, you're going to have to learn to compromise. You're going to have to learn to not be obstinate. You're going to have to learn to care for someone else. You're going to have to be a little bit less selfish. Otherwise, it's not, it's not going to work out. So your professional life, right? Um, learning how to control your habits, your eating, working, sleeping habits. Who has a hard time waking up in the morning, right? On time with vigor with to exercise and actually, you know, be serious about your health and about your professional life and your personal life. Everyone needs to learn how to deal with the conflict of their inborn characteristics that need they need to overcome them. So this is crucial. Learning how to change yourself, change your character, overcome, right, is important for us in every in every facet of our lives. Personal, professional, uh, social. And, 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 and this is crucial. And um, lastly, I also think that um, 
the longer someone puts off dealing with Jessica, why don't you get some food? Okay. I'm so sorry. Oh yeah? <gasps> what? Uh, I went to go meet a friend at six I didn't know it was gonna last until like twenty minutes ago. No, I mean you're full. I never heard you say that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all, huh? thing I was saying is that it's it's kind of crucial to kind of nip it in the bud like we're you know we're all pretty much at the beginning of our lives you know till you're like 20 or 25 you're just trying to get your act together and trying to learn how to just be able to deal with other people and to be a productive member of society we have another 70 80 years to live and the longer you live with a certain character reality the harder it is to change you know, old people have a really, really hard time, right, being nimble and pivoting in their character. They can't, they can't do it. Why? Because the longer you live with a certain way of, of operating, the more cemented it becomes into your character, the harder it is to change. That's why, ironically, um, I have um, posited, I have opined in the past that... Um, with regards to getting married, right? Um, I'm just wondering what's going on over there. <laughs> with regards to getting married, there's a certain benefit of getting married younger rather than older. I didn't matter when I was 20, so I'm probably a little biased here. But the point is, is that anytime, anytime, what, is that so funny? Anytime you're going to get married, you're going to spend, like, spend, lots of time with someone else and try to have a productive relationship, you know, not just two bedrooms, two remotes, two bank accounts, two cars, two lives, but really to integrate your lives, this is be very painful. So you have to acclimate and you have to give up a little bit of your own character. And the, 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 the more cemented you are in your ways, the harder it is to change. You know, sometimes you meet these people that like they're very finicky about the way things are in their house, right? They're, they're, just, they're just not flexible about certain things. The longer you are living, harboring within yourself a certain character flaw, the more inflexible you are with that. Therefore, the harder it is to change. So think about it as, think, think about it as, as if we're constantly regressing. Unless we're doing something to change something, it's getting worse. And getting even harder to change. So I think this should add a sense of urgency to us. Like um, I was thinking myself, like, as an example, I'm sure some people um, may share this and some people might not have it. Like you don't have some of the, like the idea of obedience and listening to authority. Some of the, you, not, not one of your problems, but it's one of my problems. So this is something, that's something you, might, you don't need to work on, but everyone has their own collection and assortment of, of characteristics, good and bad, and everyone has their own mixture. But one thing that I think that I need to work on is to be a little bit more, um, to have a little more initiative. To be a little more aggressive. I think like in, in business, 
um, the people that have the gumption, the people that do things that you know get themselves out there, are the ones that are successful. That like that's a characteristic that um, you can find by all the people that actually accomplish a lot are people that are willing to get out of their comfort zone and do something great and trying to change the world and be bold and audacious and aggressive. Um, Obviously, they could they could come with other negative qualities, but that's a, that's a good quality, and it could be in your business, it could be in your life, it could be in your character to take initiative. Yeah. So, like I said, everyone has their own things, but the longer you are living with yourself and whatever characteristic it is that you're not working on, the more it's getting uh, integrated, ingrained uh, into your life, into your character, and the harder it is to remove it. What does everyone say here? I'm, Everyone agrees? Yeah? Any any insights? Any thoughts? Can't teach an old dog new tricks. Can't teach an old dog new tricks. You could. Well, you, you can't. It's just harder. It's just a little, it's a little harder. It's a little Mine harder. Mine seems to. Oh, you're, you're dark? Um, yeah, it's yeah. it's also. Uh, but I also think that people... I was over your house. I didn't see you. Um, uh, I think there's also an idea for there's a certain characteristic there's millions of different characteristics that we have maybe <laughs> thousands but one of them is a characteristic that someone is willing to change and to reinvent themselves so that could also be something that we could try sometimes people are just stoic they're, just, they're stagnant right? they're, not, they're not progressing they're not developing themselves and there's a certain midas, we call it in Hebrew, a certain characteristic where someone is always uh, growing, always self-analyzing, being self-critical, and therefore trying to reinvent themselves t- constantly. And that would obviously make it easier for someone to change themselves even as, at, a, at, a later, at, a, at a later date. So that's kind of actually, that, that could be like a gateway characteristic. A gateway characteristic could be a characteristic that helps you perfect other characteristics as well. Okay, so what we have right now is responsibility, not more from the Torah, but also from our from our lives and business, personal, professional, social uh, relationships. We have an imperative to change, right? to learn to, uh, to to take our negative character and try to change it. What I want to talk about today is the two pitfalls, the two pitfalls that every single person who is ever taking on this initiative of changing themselves is going to have to face and going to have to. Uh, navigate uh, by. And my grandfather gave this wonderful little example when he talked about this. He said, you have a, a ship that's going through a passage that on either side of the passage there's a cliff. Either side. And there's winds and it's it's the water is very rocky. You got to make sure you don't go to one side or the other. You, you want to get to the other side but you got to make sure not to fall down in the side of the cliff. So when we navigate through um, this process of changing ourselves, we have to be very aware, very cognizant of these two things that could undo any initiative of self-perfection of character refinement. That's what I want to talk about today. What does everyone say? Everyone likes the idea? Okay. What are these two things? Number one, rebellion. Number two, haughtiness. What does that mean? What does rebellion mean? And this is, think of it, I'd like to think of it as, as like, a, a, you know, when someone goes on a diet. And I know this happened with me. So, and 
like you're saying, hey, I'm not, I'm going off sugar for a week or a month. Someone does something which, which, which on paper really should, seems like a great idea. Like, can you, I, we had in our neighborhood, we had a, a Biggest Loser contest. I, I, whatever, I didn't win. I, I wanted to win, but I, I lost. Uh, but I'll say, okay, but I'm, lo- I'm losing 20 pounds over the next two months. I'm going to go on this four hour body diet or four hour, four day, something like that. And I, for three days, I was eating like omelets and chicken with like no, right? And then it's, it's so painful and your body's rebelling. Your body's rebelling. Your body's rejecting. This is, your body's fighting back. And you have such an in- internal turmoil and conflict. And what happens? The bubble bursts and you start drowning yourself in Oreos and potato chips. And anyone who's ever tried to actually do something really, really big all at once, right? it's very painful. It's a challenge, an internal challenge. And then it comes a point in time, your body is just fighting back, fighting back, fighting back. Boom, and it gets even way worse. There's this backlash effect. Sometimes was compared to a spring. It's like you push the spring too hard, it's going to backlash, and it'll be even worse than what it was earlier. So if someone, anything someone wants to change, like we give the example, if someone wants to be um, uh, energetic in the morning, so they say, okay, I'm going to put up my alarm clock for 4.44. I learn with some guy. Some yeah, of my kids. Jim Kramer. What time does Jim Kramer wake up? I don't know. You know what Jim Kramer is? Huh? What time does he wake up? I don't know. He's creative. Give me a guess. 444? No. I believe he doesn't go to bed considering he admitted at Penn State University that what he says is a lie. Well, because he says it so fast. There's no way. There's no, uh, there's no uh, like, self-criticizing or there's no, there's no filter there. He would have a 2.47 a.m. 2.47! <laughs> Is that crazy? I don't know. He probably sleeps for three hours. Look at him. The guy's like just on, you know, he's just on, uh, what's it called? It's, it's uh, uh, adrenaline. Straight, he's just on adrenaline. I don't know he doesn't. But Google it. What time does, what time does he wake up? It's, I, I, have a, I have a friend, uh, you, you probably know who he is, Harvey Rosenstock. He's a big psychiatrist in town, and he's on the torch board, and he tells me he wakes up every day at 4.44, which is a nice round number, 4.44. And he goes to sleep like at one, 1 in the morning, but he's, you know, a little more elderly, so he doesn't need as much sleep or whatever. Well, the point is, if someone wants to wake up early, so they say, you know what, I'm going to set my alarm clock for 4.44 or 5.15, right, when they're used to waking up at 8 or 8.30, right? If they try to push themselves too hard, there will be so much of a struggle is that not only will they not accomplish anything, they'll start sleeping maybe even later than what they're sleeping now. And now that they won't accomplish, they won't be successful, it'll be even worse. And we like give an example of dieting, but I think any example that you think of. Or you if you try- stress out about making sure you wake up and you don't get much sleep when you're sleeping, you're exhausted all day. Yeah, then you're miserable about it. Yeah. And like, it the, we, we need to change, but it doesn't need to be painful. And if it's painful, there's this tremendous danger of 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 having this backlash. And we have in the Talmud a very interesting conversation with uh, between Judah the Prince, Rabbi Judah the Prince, the uh, codifier organizer of the Mishnah, and the Roman emperor of that time, which in in the in the Talmud they call him Antoninus. 
Uh, and most scholars say that this Antoninus is Marcus Aurelius, who became the Roman emperor the year 161 of the Common Era. Uh, you, yeah? You did a book report? Marcus Aurelius? Actually, I actually Googled him today, and it says, like, his Greek name is Antoninus. It's probably the same guy. And they, they, they had to... Boys! Sorry. Apologize. Yeah, party. It does. Yeah. I was still a cocky duty there. I said it once. Oh, yeah. Well, they're playing nicely. <laughs> okay, well... It's really loud. I just. Okay. It's just the acoustics. It's like the narrow hallway. Anyhow, so there's these these fascinating conversations that the Talmud records between that happen between Rebbe, or otherwise known as Rebbe Yehuda Hanasi, or Judah the Prince, and the uh, the Roman Emperor Marcus Aurelius. And um, and was there someone else over there? It's okay. So it says that they have this time, they have a few conversations. It's okay, it's okay there. So they have an argument about the neshama, the soul. And Antoninus asks Rebbe, the emperor, the Roman, asks Rebbe, when does someone get a soul? And Rebbe says to him, when the child is born, the child gets a soul. He says, no, 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 no. the child has to have a soul. It's the time of conception. Why? Because otherwise... Uh, the, the no physical entity can have vibrancy, can have life, not a spiritual entity. And then he says, oh, I agree with you. So Rebbe, right, the, the, the Jewish leader at the time, the prince, he agreed with, um, with Antoninus, with the Roman emperor. And then uh, the next piece of, the next story, it says that <coughs> when does someone, um, uh, Antoninus asked Rebbe, when does someone get a Yetzirah, hara, which is a, a evil inclination? So, he's, so Rebbe said to him, from the time of conception, and we just talked about that, like you get the good at the time of conception, so you assume they get the time of conception, all the bad as well. He says, no, 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 no. If so, if so, then if, if the child in utero had a Yetzir Haran, evil inclination, whatever that means, separate discussion, then they would kick out and they would push out to try to be born and they would, and they would just all die. Like all babies would just be stillborns. That's what it says. And then and that's the conversation. It's in Sanhedrin ninety or ninety one uh, B. You can find a few. That's the conversation. Then Rebbe says, "Oh, I agree with you, and I have a proof from the verse. He brings a verse, you know, etc." So it's very interesting that we find here a definition of what the Yetzirah, of what this power that we have within ourselves, what it does. And then think about it: the child in utero would commit suicide. Seems awfully strange. Why would a child in utero kick out if he had this power called the Yetzirah? Why would he do that? It, it doesn't make any sense. It's counterintuitive, right? It's you know he probably he probably is going to die. Well, yeah, it's, but it's not a conscious thing. Um, you know, children have children have characteristics even before they're cognizant of it. It's inborn. Well, what it seems to say is that if a child had this element called the Yetzirah within themselves in utero, 
then the child would boet be'imo, which means he would kick his mother, v'yotze, and leave. That's what it says, which seems to indicate that he would uh, uh, compel himself, propel himself out of the utero, endangering himself, and the mom probably. That's what it says. But what I wanted to glean from this is that maybe when we have this backlash, when we have this um, tendency to reject, to rebel against change, maybe this is inherent in the Yetzirah that we all have. The Yetzirah is something that's within ourselves that does not like to be constricted, doesn't like to be in a situation where they're not exactly 100% comfortable. So therefore, because they're not 100%, if they're in utero, maybe it's claustrophobic, maybe it's, it's constrictive, they want out. Even if it's even if, even if it's, it's something which is detrimental to them, you know, if I don't want the um, doctor telling me how to eat, right? I'll specifically eat the you know like they have the heart attack grill in Arizona, right? There's a, there's a, there's a huge burger joint. Google it. <laughs> called the heart attack grill. That's what it's called, and it's people there who are spitefully unhealthy. Like they're they're like there's like. People there that just have had heart attacks while munching these massive, juicy, horrible burgers. They probably have that here too, right? Well, there's this, this one made the news. I don't know. Um, but it's called Heart Attack Grill. Wait, okay. It's horrible. Why would someone go to eat there? The bomb grill, man. Don't worry. Oh, is that right? Really? I don't think it's going to be banned. That's a joke, but. Um, but uh, I guess we could tax them. <laughs> if you're a bail, just call it a tax. Um, point is, is that humans have the capacity and the tendency to do something which is even bad for themselves because they don't want to be told what to uh, how to. Don't tell me. Don't don't tell me how to eat. Right? Don't tell me to do what's good for me. Right? I'll do specifically what's not good for me. And this is something that we might we might actually have because that's what the Almighty implanted within us within us in the form of the Yitzharan, right? This tendency or this desire to not be told what to do, to not have instructions, and to not fo- to not, to not, to not follow instructions. So therefore, when someone pushes too hard in the effort to change, they're likely going to find themselves in a situation where they'll face backlash. So that's the first danger we have to face. And the other danger, and this is interesting, I've experienced this myself. I know that, um, back to the aforementioned diet. So, uh, you know, when someone's very conscious about their health, they suddenly start noticing other people who aren't conscious, and they start looking down at them. And it's kind of like a... Oh, they're trying to help them. Oh, you... Why don't you make a better choice? It's like the second, yeah, or maybe yeah, but but. Like when it, if you if you if you're really healthy, if you're really healthy, and uh, you see someone who's just like by the candy aisle with a massive cart and just like unloading the shelves, and th- you kind of look down at them. You know, and that's that's an automatic tendency. I know that I, I tell you, I personally experienced it. 
I know that there was a few. We have Halloween, you know. Or, yeah, okay, you go that's judging go. favorably. That, that is judging favorably. But every step that I make, every step that I make in being more careful, more conscious about one thing, I'll start noticing other people. Or man, the second I do that, I'll start noticing other people that, um, that don't have that. And that's a danger because the second my character improvement initiative yields haughtiness yields the feeling of superiority over others, then everything I gained is outweighed by what I lost. Because when we, we look at haughtiness as the Hebrew word ga'ava, which means like pride, uh, but feeling superior to other people, that is the root of all negative character. So what I'm essentially doing is I might be getting rid of one thing, but I'm taking on board something which is much, much worse and much more egregious and much more likely to trip up in other areas of my life. You know, so as was like I, I had a few, um, we have over here, we had a uh, we have a um, a minion chakras, the early minion. So there's there's two minions in our shul here. Number one is at six o'clock, six o'clock, and then there's the seven o'clock minion. And we have about two hundred and twenty members. And if you actually go and count how many people show up to both these minions, I don't know if you get 220. You, you really don't. <laughs> and you kind of wonder, were they all daven? Well, they probably daven, and hopefully they daven, but they made a daven in their house, in their car, at work, later on in the afternoon. I don't know. I don't know. Do you think that Jews are <laughs> for judging like that? Maybe yes, maybe no. Why didn't Shlomo come to Shul today? <laughs> I, I, that's that's not that's not that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. Well, no, Jews, Jews do it very what, we're critical. Yeah. Well, yesterday, judgmental. Yeah, that's a negative character. Like, you know how they had like Avon parties? It was just like with this some beauty queen, uh, queen that they had a party. My friend invited me along. Yeah. And she was talking. She met this lady at Starbucks where she was writing papers who just seemed like a horrible spot. So she invited her along and had to pick her up. And the the brunch that was held, the little party, was all everyone who was delightful and sweet and like very successful and where they're at. And this lady she's just rude to everyone and then claiming that she's a great Christian, she goes to church and being nasty everyone. And so after the lady leaves, we're just like I had to calm down the lady who was playing oh was the host because this is a brilliant lady who owns like a multi million dollar company uh, uh, practice. And it's very sexual, and it's very welcoming. He has helped out a lot of people, and, she's, and has been helped out at, uh, a lot of people. Like, she's very giving, and people are very giving to her because she is that type of personality. And, and she was just like, the lady was kind of in her face, like, oh, I'm a good Christian, and then kind of walked off, and I had to calm her down. And then after we're like, like, yeah, but my mom, friend was trying to help her, but we were all being judgmental from, like, hearing about her situation and how she could have presented her person. It was just a... Well, she needs to, like assert herself because <laughs> save face. Yeah. Everyone else is successful. She's not successful. How is she going to get on? She has to save face. And so, the, so I'm by pulling other people down or something yeah, like that, so that you level like, the playing field. Terrible. It was just. 
I rocked it. Like, after she left, we were all like, okay, this is now the party. <laughs> but, like, they were trying to sell, and she was just trying to, like, uh, discredit the product. And, like, well, it's so close. Well, there, this is the scientific fact behind this and the studies, blah, blah, blah. And, this, and she kept on bringing down when you have doctors in the room. We were like, no, this product works. And so it was just, and then we were all critical of it afterwards, but we're just like, you know what? She's probably just jealous of the situation and she didn't know how to react. Yeah, but that's, that's a terrible thing where people are judgmental. But I, I'm, you know, it's something that um, could also be born out of someone doing something good. Yeah. And I, I, I know I personally have experienced like, it. Like, if, if you decide that you're not going to speak negatively about other people, which is a very noble thing, right? and then you hear someone speaking negatively about someone else, you automatically say, gosh, this person is despicable. Even though three minutes ago, before you had this change of heart or change of practice, you were the same thing. Like, See, Dana, what you don't understand is that you have such wonderful character. You don't like. No, because I see that at work. People are like, "Oh, she's." I'm like, "No, she's like." No, but that's a wonderful characteristic, Dana. That you judge people favorably. Yeah. You judge people favorably. Favorably. Benefit of the doubt. That's a wonderful character. That's a wonderful media. And I wish I had the same thing as well. (laughs) I really do. Okay. And I know the Nazir had to bring sacrifice, the sin sacrifice of sorcerer. Did that tie went to that or not? Because I, I never heard of it tied to that. But I don't know. Yeah, so what I, the Gemara says that a Nazir, a Nazir is someone nazir. who, Nazir is someone who makes a vow of to be like distinct. So he decides to not drink wine, to be like holy, but not drinking wine, to not be involved in frivolity or not come close contact with dead people, to not shave. No, a coin, no, no. Uh, yeah, anyone could be a Nazir. Anyone. There's, different, there's a whole book in the Talmud called Nazir. And the, the Talmud says that when this person finishes his vow, he has to bring a sin offering. But the Gemara says, Al Shetzir because he pained himself by abstaining from wine. So it might mean that as well, that the second someone climbs onto Mount Pius and declares himself mayor, he's essentially looking down at other people. Uh, I, I know that this. You know, this is something that I for sure have experienced myself. I know that I, I made a decision, whatever that may be, like back to the aforementioned example of, of trying to come on time to Shachris and trying to go to the early minion. And I see people like, oh, where were you? I didn't see you by the davening. What happened? We could talk about, oh. Like, I, and even if I don't say that, I think that. And, that. and that's really bad because what I'm essentially doing is I'm working on myself and growing in a certain area and I'm regressing in a much worse area to be bad in, and that it just it doesn't make it. it yeah, I, the 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 uh, negative impact uh, is far worse than what you actually positively accomplish. So these are the two things you want to have to navigate. Anytime you want to change, right? You have to change. There's an imperative to change. There's going to be two stumbling blocks, two um, potential pitfalls, two cliffs on either side that you have to very carefully navigate. Because otherwise, if you don't do it properly, you're going to fall, and you're not. You're not only not going to accomplish. It's going to either get worse. You'll have the backlash, or you might be successful in that one area, but some something else will pop, will pop up. It's like the 
the law of unintended consequences, right? You work so hard at doing one thing and getting rid of all those you know, pesky cats from the neighborhood before you know it, you have tons of mice, right? And it's way, way, way worse. Everyone hates, <laughs> not everyone hates cats, but cats that hang around the garbage and make your life miserable. I know you have cats, I, right? But like in, in Jerusalem, almost everyone hates cats. In Jerusalem, almost everyone hates cats. When I live, because the cats are like just in the garbage, like, like a... undomesticated cats are. But you get rid of that and you think you're successful and before you know it, the unintended consequences of something much worse happens. So I wanted to just quickly um, suggest maybe a an angle that we could take in if we truly want to change ourselves in any area is to do really, really small steps. Really, really, really small steps. How small? So small that it doesn't even feel painful. It's, it's kind of seamless. Like, okay, I want to wake that's up earlier. That's yeah, that's small. That's small. Because the second it's hard for me, I'm, 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 I'm going to have the backlash. The second it's hard for me, I might look down at other people. You want to integrate something, have a very long-term vision. You can't really change something that's inborn overnight. You can't do it. You can't do it. Um. What you need to do is have a very long-term outlook and say, okay, over the next 12 months, I'm going to learn how to eat healthy. And right, and just seamlessly, seamlessly integrate that into your life and just slowly either cut down on what you're uh, eating or if you're eating too much or or you're uh, eating unhealthy or, or, or slowly add, I'm going to have one vegetable a day or something like that or one bite of one vegetable a day. Something like that where you over really, 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 really long time in a very seamless fashion, very painless fashion, right? You look back and see how much you accomplished. And and like I, I know this is this this might sound platitudical, and yes, that's a word. That's a word. What? <laughs> Not platitudical. Like a platitude. Oh, you're supposed to say platitudinal? I've been saying platitudinal for years. <laughs> and uh, I actually only recently learned what platitude is, but I'm looking down at everyone else who doesn't know what that means. See that? I just want the word. I say, well, how do you not know? You use it like twice a day. Yeah, I know. Where do you learn this word? <laughs> Where, um, I don't know. Essentially. Really, like essentially? <laughs> the yeah, word essentially? Like, you like, you use really nice how do you integrate? I want to do that. Okay, so if you learn one word every two days, well, you'll have, at the end of the year, 180 new words. But how did you get the platitude? I don't know, but did Josh Josh learn platitude in preschool? So don't look at me. Wow. Or Dana, Dana, get on the calendar to have the word a day, and so every day. Um, like I just told my kid, I just on the way, like you guys were already all here, but uh, someone asked, well, one of my kids, my Yoshushush, yo, so I, he asked me a question. I said it's inconsequential, and he just he just accepts that because that's just a word he doesn't know. But event, like if I talk to them, I don't say, oh, it's not so important. Well, the, if you expose your kids, yeah, no, to, that's wrong. I yeah, right. Well, that's but but um, I, so. The, the core idea I'm trying to sell is really something which is platitudinal. I like and that word. It's something that everyone really knows, and I could say I could start a sentence right now, a platitude, and everyone about to finish it for right. 
A journey of a thousand miles? Well, there you go. It's a platitude. Small step for man. That's not a plasma. That's a, I guess, that's really not. <laughs> I was just thinking about small steps. We'll see about the moon, right? Huh? Yeah, well, no one's ever there. No one's ever there. Okay. Um, um, huh? So, so the idea I'm trying to sell is that if any time if you really want to do something and not fall over the cliffs, either cliff on either side, it's got to be really small steps and slow, seamless integration of small acts, whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, slowly, gradually, slow and steady. Slow and steady. Thank you, wins the race. I like all these things are are platitudes, but it's really true. That's really how change happens. Change change in character. I'm not saying you say, oh, well, wait a minute, you could change, you know, change in your own character. That's all I'm talking about. Not change in the world and how things happen. Exactly. Over time, exactly. Yeah, well, that's, that's a good point because you'll ask a question, wait a minute. The Jews, the Talmud says that the Jews, when they left Egypt, were indistinguishable from the, from the Egyptians in their character. Indistinguishable. Right? These are idol, idol worshippers, these are idol worshippers. They're the same thing. And then, a couple of weeks later, they have Mount Sinai having national prophecy. How did they get catapulted you, Rabbi, you just said that anytime you want to accomplish something, small steps, right? You jump two, two runs in the lottery, you might go tumbling down. How is it possible that the Jews, when they left Egypt, were suddenly, like just overnight, on a dime, right, were raised to such great heights? Um, and uh, how is that consistent with what I'm trying to sell? And that's, and that's, a, good, that's a good point. We always look at the 40 years in the wilderness as being something, right? Supernatural. That is indeed supernatural. When they got to Israel, they were demoted to just natural. So it's interesting you point out that when they, once you're already in Israel, you're crossing over the, the Jordan, right? You have Joshua, not no more Moses. Right? You've been degraded to just regular individuals. You got to do it slowly as well. You, anything you want to accomplish, you got to be slow. And you think about even modern day Israel. Right? How long was it from when the idea was 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 uh, popularized. The idea has been around for a long time. In the year 1825, some guy proposed to have the Grand Island near Niagara Falls to be the Jewish state. So it's not it's not just Herzl's idea, which is not a bad not a bad place, I guess. It's nice nice scenic views close to Canada. Uh, but how long did it take for the Jews to get their state? And how many different things had to fall into place? And how many how much work goes into building something great? You know, and my graphic gives us another example. He says that um, you look at it at a, at a person. We see an individual. We just see one thing, right? But then you take the microscope and you see that every person is composed of millions, nay, billions of tiny little cells. 
that you have to take a magnifying glass, a microscope that magnifies something a hundred thousand times to even see it. And you are just an amalgamation of billions of these tiny little things. Similarly, your character is going to be created by millions of small little acts of that character. All these little subatomic acts of kindness will create me into a person of, uh, not create me, or create this act of kindness, this character of kindness, and will cement it within my, within, within my character. That's what I have. I, I just, uh, you know, this is, this is our life, you know. Our life, we're here to change ourselves. This is, this is, that's our purpose. If I have to put the human's mission statement into just one sentence or less is to take whatever tools that they have, and this is social, uh, circumstantial, and obviously the Torah and intellectual abilities that they have, and create themselves and the people around them better. So the Torahs, the Jewish destiny, the Kulamis, all those things are the same thing. we got to change ourselves. Beware, be, uh, be cognizant of these two dangers. We presented one way to navigate that uh, perilous journey safely and be successful in our life's mission and what we need to accomplish. And thank you all. Thank you. I love you all, as usual. And next week is going to be an awesome topic. I want to I want to send out invites already. Now. The topic is also the title. The title, yeah, the topic hasn't yet been. There's no class, it's just a topic.